Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CritterCon 5 and our kickoff here. Uh, you might have heard them before on Cosmic Crit, but this is, this is your GM Patrick, and I have joining me once more to talk about all things organized play and society, uh, Linda and Jessica from Paizo. Guys, thank you so much for, for coming back <laughs> and, and chatting with us uh, about society play. Thanks for having us. Always happy to talk about Starfighter Society. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I joked that I feel like I get a, a new crash course every single year in, in society play because I like talking with Paizo folks like I don't know anything about it, even though I have GM'd four years now, but not it wasn't too long ago, right after we, we started the podcast, that uh, I was completely new to society play. I'd never played any organized play, and then... You know, it just takes really one scenario as either player or GM to dive right in. And now we have an entire convention really organized around org play. Exactly as planned. <laughs> and yeah, there's no there's no getting away from it. Um, all of our our listeners out there have been indoctrinated into our lodge and uh I've explained this a couple of times. I I want and I wish we had more time to play organized play for for podcasting purposes, but unfortunately, they keep writing adventure paths, and those take a lot of time to get through. <laughs> so, uh, well, first off, uh, once again, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Can you guys tell me a little bit about your respective roles at Paizo and and what you do in in regards to organized play? I am the Starfinder Society developer, so I am in charge of making the scenarios that you play. Uh, so I plan the year's scenarios and metaplot, along with input from the rest of the team. I outline each scenario. I hire the authors who write them. I get to write the snazzy art orders for the art team to hire brilliant artists and make some magic. Um, I help guide our authors along the way, provide feedback, provide advice. I develop the scenarios. Um, I do copy fitting. I write boons when we need them, and uh, all kinds of miscellaneous tasks. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you, you're probably one of the uh, folks that was in charge of giving us our boons for CritterCon, our, our charity boons. Um, I, I believe we're we've uh, obviously they've already been announced, and I definitely know what they are because this wasn't recorded in advance. So thank you very much. You're um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is where I announce what they are. <laughs> Cut to pre- at record something recorded after. Uh, Linda, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, so I'm uh, the development manager for the digital adventures team at Paizo. So I am the manager for Jessica and uh, Mike Kimmel, who does basically the same job for Pathfinder Society, as well as Thurston Hillman, who does uh, one shots and bounties and interactives. Um, so my job generally involves uh, being sort of the second set of eyes on um, all of the pro- all of the digital products, as well as um, general managerial things, scheduling stuff, putting out flyers, that kind of thing. Excellent, excellent. So you guys work together a lot, obviously, on, on all the Starfinder Society stuff that, that goes out the door at this point. Um, for folks that have not done any organized play before and like i said 
like four years ago, that was including me. Can you explain exactly how it works? Like what, what is Pathfinder and Starfinder Society? Yeah, so um, organized play is a, a framework that allows people to be very flexible in the way that they play. Uh, we've got a bunch of four-hour scenarios, a huge table for both Pathfinder Society and Starfinder Society that people can jump in and play. Um, and the idea with organized play is that instead of having, you know, your your traditional one GM, one static group of, of characters, you can come in and you can bring your, you start off with level one character, you level them up over time, and you can play them wherever you want. So you can play first, your your first game is at a convention. And, you know, your second game, in-person convention, your second game is an online game, your, you know, your third game is with some friends, your fourth game is in another state that you're visiting or things like that. Um, so it allows for a lot of flexibility for people to, um, to pick up and play um, those adventures with characters and different players and different GMs each time. And um, you don't and it- have to be like, there's no sort of rules for who's allowed to GM or whatever. If you, if you've got the scenario, you can, you can run the scenarios for people. Right. Right. So yeah, you can GM just for your friends forever, but your friends who are playing characters can also take those characters to their local gaming store, like you said, or, or conventions, which obviously we're, we're doing a lot of scenarios and society play here at, at CritterCon, but it makes it so they are balanced to the point where those players can go to any table as opposed to, I guess if you're, you're playing more of a a campaign mode, you know, it's a level 10 character from one person's regular campaign might not be the, the same balanced as a a level 10 character from someone else's. Like maybe the GM gave them a super powered weapon, you know, Mm -hmm. that isn't really uh, in a, a concern for just a, a GM that's gets four random players in society play, right? Yeah, we have a sort of a shared a shared framework with mm-hmm. that, and also the adventures don't assume that anyone has played any one particular adventure in the past. They just assume, hey, you know, if you're playing Starfinder Society, your character is a member of the Starfinder Society. If you're playing Pathfinder Society. Your character is a member of the Pathfinder Society. Mm-hmm. And anything else beyond that, the adventure is going to provide the GM the context to bring you into that adventure. I, I've, so, said, I've said at yeah. tables that, that it's very fun because you'll have someone who indeed has played a ton of scenarios and be like, oh, I know that NPC or, you know, I know kind of what this plot is about. And they work very well with with new players sitting down, maybe just taking up a pre-generated character to to try it out um and the framework of them being in the same society and maybe <laughs> it's like a veteran and a noob <laughs> um it it works and uh i've i've jammed it at con- conventions i've played it at conventions and it's it's amazing how well it can meld a, a group of people that have never played together before it's really surprising <laughs> actually how uh after four hours you can be bonded to to folks that you just sat down at a table for the first time with. Um, awesome. I, uh, I, I always toot the horn of society play for that very reason. I think if you haven't played tabletop role-playing games before, it's actually a great introduction because they give you all the tools. You don't even have to make 
a, a character for yourself to just sit down and, and have a GM kind of give you one and, and jump in. Starfinder is kind of new, so that's also a good way to do that. But if you've not played Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which is also even more new now, it's a good way to, to learn some of those rules, too. Um, awesome. So the the new seasons of each of the society plays uh, we talked about when you were on the podcast, uh, Starfinder starts at PaizoCon, and the new season, the upcoming season for Pathfinder Society starts at Gen Con. So a little difference between um little time difference between the new season starts and that's a year of scenarios that come out right yes that's right and the staggering really helps with uh, not having the big giant launches for for both of them at the same time <laughs> yeah. so we can really focus our efforts on putting in uh on having a, a big splash for each one with uh with three new scenarios so in each season, uh, you were saying has a, a meta plot. Can you explain a little bit about what what those are like? Would I have to know about the previous season's plot to jump into, say, the new season that's coming out? No, um, the way that they the way that they are is that the meta plots are you know, overarching stories that uh, that'll go run throughout an entire season. Mm-hmm. Um but in there, and some of the scenarios in that season, but not all, will tie into that meta plot. And they don't expect you've played other scenarios in that meta plot before. If you jump in later on, it'll it'll give the GM the context to get you up to speed. And also, the story doesn't assume that you've you've played scenarios that were part of a previous meta plot. They might connect or build off of one of the previous meta plots in some way, in a way that players who've played a previous one can look at and go, "Oh yeah, you know, I recognize." that where where this sort of built off of or like I remember seeing this character before but uh you don't have to have played any of the previous ones um but we we've got a we've got an awesome new meta plot that uh that Jessica came up with for for that's launching at PaizoCon. Yeah, yeah, in <laughs> in only a couple weeks uh, when uh, after CritterCon uh, we're kind of like at the tail end of I guess the the season 4 of the Starfinder Society, but we've got a whole new society, um, Year of Redemption's Rise, that's coming in just a couple weeks, right? <laughs> At Bizocon? Yes. Awesome. Um, it is there a lot of challenges with that? I guess uh, uh, developing these scenarios. It kind of sounds like since you use the term season, it's like a, a season of television, but you don't have to watch every single episode to kind of like jump into an adventure. A four-hour adventure <laughs> uh, for for each of these scenarios. Does it? Do, do you think you, people get more out of it if they play every single one? Or I think you know, for for meta plots, like if you're for meta plots or like self-contained story arcs, um, you know, you will get more of the story if you play if you play everything that's connected. But because uh, you'll you'll sort of see, so so it might tell you. You know, for, for example, just to, to pull something out of thin air, like if the if the Starfinder Society set up a set up a, a a new encampment on a planet, and you played that first scenario where they set up that encampment, then you know, in scenarios that are coming out of that base in the future, you'd be like, oh yeah, we built that base, but you didn't have to see when that base was built to understand, oh, we're at a base on this planet, right? Um, but one of the things that we really like to do is put in callouts to previous adventures, so it'll say. Hey, you know, if you played Starfinder scenario three slash or nine slash forty seven, uh, set up a base on the planet, guys. 
Um, then, uh, they, then Krigbot, the, then Krigbot, the, uh, recognizes you and will say this like extra thing to you to be like, oh, thank you so much for helping deal with the nanite swarms that we're invading. Um, <laughs> uh, and then maybe like gives you some extra favor, some extra bit of information because you had played that one before. So that, that, that's the way that we, we try to put in a little bit of continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also want to make sure, cause like we can't expect a G- the GMs to be encyclopedic masters of everything that's ever released before. Now we want to make sure that GMs can just pick up a scenario and they've never run a scenario before and it'll still make sense for them to run it. Yeah. And a lot of the scenarios will have um, story reminders, like you said, but also when the players complete those scenarios, they on their their end sheets that they get, they might also have a, a boon or some other thing that will remind them. Like uh, they usually will get like at a convention a physical sheet, or you know, if you're playing online, something digitally sent to you with the experience and credits that you would get or or gold in Pathfinder Society. Mm -hmm. And then that would also be a little reminder when, if they do play a scenario that connects to it about, you know, you have the King's ear or the, uh, a CEO's favor that, that you can use later on. Um, but yeah, you might not necessarily know if you're sitting down at a table and you've not read the scenario that that is going to come up. But the those kind of things, I think, are really what bring a lot of players back to society play and, and wanting to keep evolving that plot and get their character involved, you know, in, in more interesting ways and have them rise up the ranks of the different societies. Um, so we look at sort of two prongs of interactivity there there's that one where um people get chronicle sheets that are records mm-hmm. of each adventure they've played and the rewards they have and uh we're recently been including summaries of the adventures up at the top because we know that um when you're playing society you might play this character and then you go play another character and you, you dust off a character you haven't played for three years and you're trying to remember what you did with them uh those summaries are intended to to help you remind to help remind you oh yeah i did this adventure and made this choice and that kind of thing um and, and the other one is um that at the end of a lot of adventures we'll have uh a little little reporting conditions for for gms for so whenever we've got these major decisions like did you ally with these people or did you did you drive them off what did you do here um, did you save this person or did you fail to save them? Did you choose that? Did you choose that you wanted to establish your base here or there? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll have like a little, a little thing there so that when the, uh, when the GM goes to, uh, to Paizo.com to, to make a report of that, that session, um, they can say, oh yeah, you know, that our group did this. Um, and then what happens is that if we're trying to look at, oh yeah, you know, did, did, did Quigbot survive the scenario? Um, <laughs> We can we can look and we can say, oh yeah, you know, eighty percent of GMs said their table saved Quigbot. Quigbot is alive. Or oh no, eighty percent of ta- GMs said that Quigbot didn't survive. Funerals for Quigbot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we can scenario, use these kinds yeah. of things to uh, to decide the future of the of the campaign. And um, mm. it's surprising sometimes how how far back we'll go. Like uh, there was. There was even, and uh, other other developers can ask us about that kind of stuff too. Like there was even something that a question that came up, and somebody was asking me, "Hey, so whatever happened to this character?" And uh, there was a, and we had decided that, and a, 
in an adventure like six years ago. So we went and we pulled that data and we told that person, well, you know, here's what happened to that character. Okay. Yeah. That's going to shape what's going to happen in another product. So Mm -hmm. I really like that, that aspect of how, what you do at your tables is going to decide what direction we move in the future. If, if, a scenario is repeatable and you can play it multiple times. Uh, <laughs> has anyone tried to save Quigbot by just playing it over and over again? Well, we try not to have like yeah. major decision points like that in repeatables because that can get a little that can get a little funny. It's like, well, I, I saved Quigbot twice <laughs> and then I decided I wanted to see what happened if we didn't save Quigbot. And like, you know, <laughs> right. that kind of thing. But makes sense. Because uh, repeatables, repeatables also, yeah. Repeatables also are more likely to have things that would be different from the, the have things that are going to be different on multiple playthroughs. They they don't always, but to, to keep them fresh, the ones that are sort of the the intros to the new seasons, they may mm-hmm. not be quite as different because they're they're more repeatable because they're trying to be like, hey, you know, GMs, you can keep getting credit for for playing these tables. We want as many people playing those as possible to get them in to what the new season is. Because um, we've got those for, uh, we've got that for for Data Scourge, and then we're going to have it too for um, for Redemption's Rise, um, a scenario that's intro, Data Scourge, intro, Redemption's Rise. So if you're like, hey, I'd like to get in on what this meta plot's about, then that's the perfect place to start. Awesome. Yeah, that is a that's a fun. Uh, I mean, I, I only really heard about that with the advent of the Starfinder Society. Was that something that was done in Pathfinder One <laughs> Society play? Was there those kind of changes that players could affect? Yeah, the <laughs> the reporting stuff has been going on. I don't know exactly how far back it went, but the one I just referenced was one from. Uh, was one from season oh, from seven edition. of Pathfinder Society that, that got pulled. And I know we've pulled older ones. So that's I, been going on for a while. Since you guys have been in positions of, of uh, being able to see that that data coming back, has there been any really close, like 51%, 49% uh, uh, split um, decisions? I would say usually, usually it's sometimes it might be more like a 60 40, but there mm-hmm. hasn't ever been one that's like completely uh, down, down to the completely, wire, completely down to the wire. Though there's always people who will like you, you there who will check, like, you know, if it's like check A, if this happened, check D, if this happened, there's always people who will be like, oh, I'm going to check D. It's like, what? Why? That's just <laughs> not an option. <laughs> did, did he live or die? Did he quit? Die, we need D to know. Option D. He's in a liminal state. He's in undead. He's in stasis. Like, yeah. what are you? <laughs> we don't. You we don't know which bug to check. <laughs> um. Uh, so, for players that are wanting to jump into this crazy world of society play, do you have any tips or tricks about the making a character or finding a table for for the first time? Um, and, and can I ask maybe a little bit about your guys' experiences jamming or playing in, in society play? Yeah. So um, if you are looking to play, um, you probably are either going to be looking to get together with a group of your friends who are all saying, hey, we want to try this out. Or you're going to be looking to connect with the broader community for your first game. Um, so if you're looking to connect with the broader community, there's a few places that are good to go. Um, if you go to um, pfschat.com, 
Um, that is the invite link for the organized play online discord where you can connect to the online community. Um, you can also find a lot of games that are running. Uh, one of the most popular places to find those games is on warhorn.net where you oh, can yeah. see like, oh, people have, people have a sign up thing for a game. You can come up. These are public games. Anybody's welcome to join them. And those will say where the games are. Um, another thing you can do is if you go to, um, if you go to organizedplayfoundation.org um, and click on Paizo Organized Play, um, then there is a, a button, Find Games. Uh, and that will that has the contact information for the, the regional volunteers. So the regional venture coordinators who are volunteers who coordinate volunteers over large regions. And so they have, they know exactly, you know, what's going on in those areas. And from that, you can find uh, the coordinator from your area. So, um, and then you, then they, um, and click to get, and click to send them an email and be like, hey, you know, you're the, you're the regional, you're the venture coordinator for, it's like, you know, Alka, you're, it's the venture coordinator for Belarus. So if you live there, you can mm-hmm. send him an email and be like, hey, where are the games nearby? And, and he'll let you know. So, um, there's there's a few means that you can use to find those games that already exist and connect with communities. Um, if you're looking to if you're just looking to to play with friends, um, I still recommend checking out that um, that organizedplayfoundation.org website. We've got our uh, guide to organized play there um, that talks about sort of the the little organized play specific rules. You can also go to uh, the Paizo website at um, starfindersociety.club for Starfinder or pathfindersociety.club for Pathfinder. Um, and that has uh, that has links to more resources, including those uh, pre-generated characters that you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, I'd recommend for, uh, for getting started, whether you're for getting started for GMing or if you're trying to start up a new group, I'd really recommend starting with the intro scenarios that we have. Um, both Starfinder Society and Pathfinder Society have two intro scenarios. Um, intro one, is uh, designed to be like, what is the Starfinder slash Pathfinder Society? And Intro 2 is designed to be like, hey, so I heard there's these, these factions, these little sub-organizations within these, within these societies that, that have these different goals. What's their deal? Mm-hmm, so yeah. I'd recommend if you're, just, if you're just jumping in, Intro 1, then Intro 2, and then uh, check out the intro for the season that you're on. So, so very soon, that's going to be the, the intro for the year of Redemption's Rise. So you can buy those uh, PDFs on uh, paizo.com um, for if you're, if you're the GM and uh, run your players through those. So uh, that, that's a great way to start out. That'll get, you, that'll get your level one character to level two and ready to check out any of the other content with a solid grasp in what our new meta plot is, what the Starfinder or Pathfinder Society is, as well as what, um, what those factions are. Yeah, um, I mean, I will go one step further and say those introductions are also because uh, I've, I've run them at conventions for people that have never played a tabletop role playing game before. They're great introductions to what is Starfinder, what is that world as well as the society uh, and and Pathfinder. Who I've played the Pathfinder intro and just getting a, a hang of what exactly is this setting. It really helps out because it gives you. It talks a little bit about you know, the uh, Absalom station and the drift and things like that. Some of the, the, the greater science fictiony ideas for Starfinder society and, and wh- what exactly Galerion is and things like that in Pathfinder society. So g- 
great introductions, especially if you are a GM and a, a new GM and wanting to introduce your your friends to Pathfinder and Starfinder, which I do pretty often <laughs> with with uh, with people that have like, what is this? Uh, what are role playing games? <laughs> kind of kind of thing. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit better than just diving into a um, adventure path, for example. Excellent. Uh, Jessica, any, any tips or tricks about someone that wants to make a, like a specifically a Starfinder society character and jump in <laughs> to organize play this weekend or this evening <laughs> to play a game? Uh, well, I will. Can I, can I ask who, who your favorite pre-gen is? <laughs> pre-generated character? My favorite pre-generated character is um, Isaf. I like Isaf oh. the Operative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a that's a good one. Um I oh, it's, it's really hard. To, <laughs> I, well, I really I love seeing uh giving those uh pre-generated characters to people that have never played Starfinder before and having them read it over and be like, "Oh, I understand who <laughs> this character <laughs> is" and uh immediately <laughs> without any prompting start making dad jokes as uh <laughs> as bug dad and and uh you know i don't know that there there's definitely a uh, amalgam of people that jump into obazaya as well <laughs> in the in the format for for playing her um awesome yeah i'd say like that if you're just starting out um mm-hmm. it's it's probably a good idea not to be like oh yeah you know i want to i want to use these 17 different books and make like a <laughs> mecha giant complicated character you can make all sorts of all sorts of awesome characters with uh, with the Starfinder core rulebook. Oh yeah. Um. So so start off there, and um, we also have a thing where um, up until you're playing at second level, you can just completely radically redesign your character between every session. Um. So yeah, just just start with the core rulebook, and if you mm-hmm. and if you played if, if you played three times and you decide, hey, you know, I want to try out this other class, you can always do that, or you can. And, and pick and keep all that XP you've used, or you can roll up a new character or yeah. start up a new character, not technically rolling, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, uh, you can, you can set up a new character and pick them up there. I know uh, my, my first, uh, my first society game was also like, I was pretty new to fairly, fairly new to Pathfinder at the time. Just being like, Oh, well, you know, I, I guess, I guess a rogue seems like they're pretty straightforward and a halfling is kind of a stereotypical rogue. And I've got a game with it. Like I've got a game pretty soon. So I guess I'll just, uh, I'll just make a halfling rogue. I feel called out. I've, I've made halfling operatives in uh mm-hmm. Starfinder society. I was like, that seems a fit, right? <laughs> a little, yeah. Little stabby guy. Um, awesome. Um, uh, People are very excited to to continue on with these new seasons of society play. And but uh, like I said, this convention and just about every single one that we've run, we get new players sitting down at tables with people that have been playing for, you know, two or three years for Pathfinder Society and five years for Starfinder Society. And they get along pretty famously. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had many mixed tables like that, but um, for our lodge and for Critercon, both GMs and players alike are actually quite excited when (laughs) a new player sits down, a new player to the system. So that's, that's one thing I always like to suggest to our listeners that want to jump into society play is, you know, feel free to ask questions and 
<laughs> or, you know, because <laughs> you're usually at a table of five other players, feel free not to <laughs> be pressured. And I don't know, it, just because you're playing maybe the soldier character, you don't have to be the front line or making <laughs> every single decision for, for your mm-hmm. party. Uh, one of the great things about the parties being so large is you can kind of uh, lay back in the cut <laughs> a little bit for your first scenario i i know i definitely did when i was uh i think i first played obazaya as a pre-generated character in starfinder society i think it's been many a year so yeah and another thing too is that um because these adventures are not only not only do you know that you don't know exactly what kind of characters are going to come to it but like people who come in and everybody's a soldier and they still got to be able to do the scenario, right. Or everybody's mm-hmm. got the same class or like you're, you, you, the adventurers cannot expect a balanced party. So whatever, so like whatever you bring you're you know, you're going to be bringing your own perspective, but it's not going to be like, oh, I'm the only soldier. And like this adventure expected a soldier. So if I don't, <laughs> whatever you do, you're going to be good. Yeah, exactly. If you're the only one that has computers, or you know mm-hmm. society skills uh you you might be expected to make some roles but you're not going to make or break everyone's adventure if you fail those roles it just doesn't happen yeah. uh one of the cool things about CritterCon though is uh, we're raising money for for doctors without borders for charity and because this is an officially uh, sanctioned piso convention if you do end up playing this this weekend and enjoying society play, you can pay to affect some of your roles and get re-rolls in case you do royally mess up one role and you want to try and and, and get a, a better one. Uh, you can donate to the charity and we have information your GMs will have about where to do that, how to do that, and get a re-roll. Um, doesn't normally happen if you go to your local gaming store to play organized play. You can't just slip your GM a $5 bill and be like, I don't think I rolled that natural one. But uh, for charity, you are allowed to do that, which is a lot of fun. I <laughs> I definitely abuse that when I'm a player at uh, charity conventions. <laughs> I, I come with, with fat stacks because I don't want to lose my level 14 Starfinder Society character <laughs> to... Uh, well, well, I mean, you know save. what? It's for a good cause, though, so... Yes, it's for a great cause, yes. and I just want to thank you guys for, for being here to to kick off this this CritterCon 5. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug or chat about for upcoming releases from Paizo? Or, I mean, it could be anything you want to, to plug here at the, the end. Uh, anything that's coming up at PaizoCon especially? Uh, yeah, for PaizoCon... Check out the first three scenarios in the Year of Redemption's Rise. Right, that is of scenario five one, intro Year of Redemption's Rise by Alex Fidel for levels one to four. That is scenario five two, Road to Reconciliation by Shay Snow, and scenario five three, uh, Fugue of the Traitor by Allison Side. Awesome. All all three of those dropping the the weekend of PaizoCon. All so that, PaizoCon. That's that'd be the first place that you could GM or play them, right? Yep. That's exciting. Yes. Whole whole new season starting off in just a couple weeks. <laughs> um, if you are at Criticon this this weekend, you're experiencing like the the end of a season as well. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we, we have mm-hmm. some of the end scenarios for uh data scourge, right? Yes, you know? number four sixteen, Hope for mm-hmm. the Future by Jenny Jarzatsky. 
Awesome. Um, Linda, what about, what about you? Yeah, I recommend uh, at, at uh, KaizoCon checking out the uh, Drift Crisis book for mm-hmm. the new calamitous event that is striking the Starfinder universe. And if you're looking for a way to get into that, I recommend playing the new that newly released uh, one-shot, uh, Starfinder one-shot number four, Before the Storm. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- this is a, a event and kind of a new thing for Starfinder that is going to be both a, a rule book, the the Drift Crisis, but also affect scenarios in society, Starfinder society, and the adventure path. We have a, a three part adventure path that all ties together. Anything you can tease about that, <laughs> or will, will people? get a lot out of, of, of uh, buying all those and, and playing all of them together? Uh, so for the Starfinder Society, we have mm-hmm. three Drift Crisis scenarios. One low level, one mid level, one high level, which are all very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, I totally snooped at the Drift Crisis book and it looks amazing. Right, yes. <laughs> but I can't tell you much about it. <laughs> that rule book more than any other seems like a, a- a very interesting mystery. I think people are very excited about that. I think they understand what, you know, an alien archive is going to be and, and what uh, uh, a, a character operations manual is going to have in it. But I, even I'm kind of guessing at this point uh, what all could be in there. So that that's going to be an exciting release. Um, any, anything else, anything else on the horizon that you'd like to talk about? There is a uh, Starfinder Interstellar Species. It's going to be coming out at the end of the year, which mm-hmm. is going to be super exciting for lots of opportunities for people to have new options for the characters that they have been playing from a wide variety of species. And you know, one of the one of the real draws of Starfinder, in my opinion, is the fact that you know you can play so many different aliens, and you you have just see in, in the groups that you play in too. You know, particularly if you're playing. Starfinder Society, and so then you don't have mm-hmm. like the same players. It's like, oh yeah, you know, today I'm gonna adventure with today I'm gonna adventure here, and then tomorrow I'm gonna adventure here. And you've got a totally a totally different mix of people. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, today I talk to a psychedelic walrus, and then tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna chill with a floating brain. And that's just that's just how you do. You know what? I and I've I've not really thought about this before. That probably is definitely one of the strongest suits of being a player for Starfinder, but. I, I wonder how often it's ever happened that six players have sat down uh, and not coordinated and had mm-hmm. all the same alien species up there playing because there's just so many you can choose from. Uh, and as soon as people unlock a new one for Starfinder Society, it's like, oh, this is my new main. So there's mm-hmm. very few people that have, a, you know, a, a Baratheon or <laughs> what have you, uh, a Skittermander. <laughs> so I'm going to be playing them. I guess a lot of people have a Skittermander now, but yeah, yeah. Hugs. They're helping. Skittermanders like to help. Their definition of help is not always your definition of help. (laughs) Hilarity ensues. It's a monkey paw situation if you ask (laughs) for their their aid, if you ask them to uh, aid you on a a skill check. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much both for being here and and chatting with us um, about society play. Where can people find you online or if they come to PaizoCon, where can they track you down uh, to to ask you some some more questions or or chat you up more about the subjects? I am on Twitter at D Twenty Diaries, mm-hmm. and you can find me uh, on my Twitch stream uh, twice a week on uh, Tuesdays at seven PM Pacific, 
And Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, Twitch at Arcane Mark, twitch.tv slash Arcane Mark, as well as on the Arcane Mark Discord at tiny.cc slash Arcane Mark. Awesome. Awesome. So (laughs) people have a lot of access to you, Linda, if they want to ask specific questions about things that have have come out and and things that you've developed. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys again so much for being here, uh, for helping us kick off CritterCon 5, which I have to remind myself what, what number we're up to every single year. I'm like, <laughs> is this really the fifth one that we've done? Um, what is like, time even? It doesn't you seem know? like Starfinder has been out that long, but it has. It's, it's mm-hmm. the old Paizo game at this point. So uh, uh, thank you again for being here. There are, for those of you listening to this, uh, the weekend of CritterCon, there are still tons of spaces available to to play, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, there are usually opportunities to to uh, to still GM if you want to to jump in and and help out as well as dozens of of different ways that you can donate and help out <laughs> help out the uh, doctors without borders but also get amazing prizes and things like that uh, for yourself so check out our what we'll have it linked in in the description here our our donation portal and our, our website about it. Uh, guys, thanks again so much for being here, and uh, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you next CritterCon, CritterCon Six. <laughs> uh, thank you again, and uh, uh, have a a great PaizoCon and beyond. Thank you, thank you for having us. Thank you, guys.